But my mom taught me a long time ago, plan for the worst and hope for the best. And that's how you always guarantee that you're going to win. Plan for the worst, hope for the best. So in your industry, what does that look like? You need to assume that people are never going to be able to crowd into your salon again. They may be able to, but you need to plan for the worst, hope for the best. You need to assume that um, if you offered drinks or champagne or water, that now they need to be RTDs. You need to assume that people's psychology has changed and they're not going to feel comfortable for the next couple of years coming into your salon, your dry bar, anything that you have. So what does that mean? Can you dispatch people to them? Can you create a beautiful tented experience outside so they feel more comfortable? What kind of overhead can you cut that was just a nice to have in the past, but was not necessarily a necessity for you to execute on your business? So what I was telling them, Chris, was how kind of hard it is to get this kind of time with you and how valuable your time is and the way that you've created that space in your life. Mm -hmm. It's something that I am taking notes on and I have ever since I was introduced to you and your wife. And I, I couldn't be more grateful for knowing you guys right now, especially mm -hmm. with where I'm at. From the moment I met Lori, I felt that way. And the moment I met you, it was like, we'd know each other. You're very welcoming. You have that like warm heart that you want to help so many people. And what's incredible is like, luckily we have social media, mm -hmm. be able to get to know you even deeper. So I feel like I'm part of the family. I feel like you are, you are part of the family. And by the way, it goes two ways. I'm not going to let you ramble on and on about how like, <laughs> you're grateful for us because yeah, yeah, here's what you need to know about Jess. Uh, the other night, she sent a couple videos from a guy she met. And I have no idea. It looked like you guys down in like San Diego Beach or Hermosa yep. Beach or something like that. And she just met some random guy who had a small business making what looked to be pastries. Was it pastries? Yep. They're located yep. in the jar. And somehow you guys got to talk and it turns out he listens to my show. And you were kind enough to, you know, send a couple videos of the two of you there and him saying all sorts of kind things about how the show has inspired him and vice versa. So that's a two-way street. Like th that night when you sent that, that was a gift. That was a night where I was tired from working hard all day. And to get that random thing from some random gentleman that you met uh, explaining how the show reached him and made such a difference, that's a two-way street. So we've known you for years and it's always been a two-way street and we appreciate it. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. I'll take all that in. So I could edify you for probably an hour. And I've learned that from Chris too is when you have somebody on, Chris has taught me this, when you learn something, it is your duty and due diligence to teach it to other people. So the way that you speak about other people and the effect that they've had on your life, like you make that person feel like they are the most important person in your space and your ability to be so present with them, to make them feel so worthy of, you know, any speaker you've had in the, in the mastermind that we've been around, anybody that's been around you, like, that's an art that you have. And I think it's something people can learn to do. And you've taught us how to, to be able to do that. But um, I just want you to know by you and your wife taking action on bigger dreams, pushing your guys' self to do big things, you've given me and so many people the permission to do the same thing. And I'm, like I said in the beginning, super grateful for that. And I look back at the journey from when I decided to jump in the mastermind. So you're an entrepreneur. Chris is an entrepreneur. He's a, he's a business strategist, basically, with what you call yourself now, right? Yep. Okay. So you have multiple things going on and many multiple things of generating revenue for you. Mm -hmm. And you, 
I know the answers to all of these, but I really want to share a lot of this with the audience because right now you're in the middle of launching Fast Foundations, which is what I'm talking about, changed my life, which I'm so glad that we're having this chance to do this. Because if I'm not mistaken, I just watched your story. Did I see you're offering it for $4,500 right now? Yeah, I, I think that expired around eight o'clock this morning. I'd have to get with the team to find out. Uh, but yes, it's something like that. I think $4,750. And here's why. Like, here's what happened. That used to be an in-person mastermind, right? And when COVID hit, everyone in your industry, everyone in our industry, everybody has had to adjust. And one of the adjustments was, hey, let's take it virtual because people still want to learn how to operate and grow their business. And by taking it virtual, it saved us a lot of money uh, in not having to, to have a location to host it at because we always hosted them at beautiful locations out here in LA and they're expensive. So it saved us a lot of money. We're talking tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I just love like full disclosure all the time. So I think we used to spend $45,000 per weekend for the two weekends because we would bookend it, putting it on. So that's 90 grand. That was 90 grand that we were able to shave off the price, the investment and pass on to everybody else. So that's why it went from, you know, 8,800 and 9,800 down to the 4,750 is because we just said, hey, if we're saving the money, we're just gonna pass it on to everybody else. And the barrier of entry became significantly lower, not just investment wise, but like now you don't have to leave your kids. Now you don't have to get on an airplane. Now you don't have to, um, you know, book hotel rooms, pay for hotel rooms. So we saw a whole new crop of individuals be able to sign up for fast foundations that were unable to before because the barrier of entry just became so much lower. And that's a great example of guys, we got to find these silver linings in this really challenging time right now. Every single industry, I don't care who you are, you've got a new set of challenges. And by the way, they're not temporary. I, if we look at this timeline and here's where some people are struggling to catch up. Okay. This is very important. If we look at the timeline somewhere in March, we were told, Hey guys, everyone stay home for two weeks. We're going to have to flatten the curve and everyone bought into it. And then it turns out, hey, everybody, it looks like it's going to be more of a six to eight week thing to flatten the curve. All the other states are getting on board. Uh, so let's just hunker down and get through this. All right, fine. It's tough. There's some stimulus money coming, but we can do it. Then um, here we are in July, August, correction, August. And now it's been a five month thing and it's not going to end anytime soon. And so it's time for people to say, I'm not going to sit around on my hands and wish or hope that business comes back to the way it was. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to ask myself two key questions. And those two key questions are this. One, what are the brand new needs that have been um, created out of this new world that we live in? And two, what do my past experiences and my current skill sets have to do with solving these brand new needs. And I'm gonna put those things together and that's gonna be how I'm gonna pivot. And so for some people, it's a great big pivot. It's like going from cutting hair to all of a sudden creating a line of beauty products and selling them on Amazon. For other people, it's a small pivot. It goes from cutting hair in a salon to very likely um, going mobile or you know, uh, cutting hair in a salon to going to cutting hair in a, a, a parking lot. So some people's pivots are big, some are small. The point is there's, it's time to get off your hands, no matter what your industry is, and stop wishing for the old way to come back because it's not. People are thriving all around you because they're pivoting faster than you. Absolutely. And I've seen that, I've seen that now more than ever. And there, there are a few type of people in my industry. There are those who they just do it as a means to make some cash. 
it's not really a business to them. And then there's those who take it super seriously and they're their, they're their own brand, they're their advocate, their own business. They have no problem selling themselves because they know they're a worthy product. Those are the people I've seen. Everybody kind of got bitch slapped when we first got closed. And it was like, holy shit. Because, you know, I started those network marketing those networking brunches for hairdressers and they were doing really well. And people were in the mode of growing and behind the chair business. And we left off with the January one, which was a goal setting one. And I actually did your exercise where we reverse engineered how to find your hourly worth so that they would feel confident in growing and and raising their prices. So Mm -hmm. we left that January come March, this is what's happening. So I tried to take the brunches virtual and it was like a collective of faces that were like, yeah, they, Wasn't the same. they couldn't process the idea of pivoting. For me, I went from, you know, pretty good to like a level 10. I was like, game on, here we go. I'm prepared for this. And that's what I can't stress enough about this mastermind and how when you invest in yourself before you really think you need it, for one, sometimes before you think you're ready financially to do it, how it will pay off at the end. Like you have no idea if you set yourself up to win. It's like you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Yeah, you're spot on. And, and like, if I had to, I'm, I'm big on teaching with real life scenarios. So I'm going to use what you just said. You used to do these awesome brunches for uh, people in the beauty profession, right? So they could collaborate, share ideas and get better. And like you said, when you took it on Zoom, it didn't have the same effect. Did I hear that correctly? It was just kind of like a bunch of people kind of staring. But what if we totally reinvented something that was working, right? Getting these women together to collaborate and share ideas in a way that was semi-pseudo-virtual, but also fit the new COVID times. What if you had watch parties and you had people gather in 10 different locations, but small gatherings, so it's still safe, set some ground rules about spacing them out in the gatherings. And what if you sent them brunch in a box mm. so that they're getting their little bottle of champagne and they're getting their, uh, you know, what, what it is that you guys are gonna be sharing, eating. You could get sponsors to do some great packaged pastries and everything else. So you could have watch parties, you could send them brunch in a box. It's a beautiful presentation. There's a, a date and a time that as this arrives, they get together, they're all zooming in together, but now you're zooming in groups of five or 10, instead of just sitting there in your family room watching, saying, you know, kind of half tuned in, half tuned out. There's always a pivot. There's always a way to make it sexier. There's always a way to make, and people need to start thinking way the hell outside the box. Taking your event, and, and I'm not talking about you, Jess, I'm talking now generically. Sure. Taking your event, taking your business online doesn't just mean switching it to Zoom, right? That's not going to cut it. What it means is getting creative. It means playing stupid idea time, as my friend Rob Murgatroy would would say. It means being brave. It means experimenting with, okay, how do I bring the experience to them? What do I send them? What kind of lighting do I need? What kind of production do I need? It doesn't have to be expensive, but it has to be creative or you're not going to stand out. I love that. And I am going to take that idea. And this is what I'm talking about. If you are listening to this in real time or on the podcast, once it's out, this is the kind of thing that you need to be around other people who can think ideas like this for you. So when you're stuck and you can't see whether to go right, left, or straight, or if you just want to give up, you have people around you who are willing to sit there and in 10 minutes, come up with a cute, sexy idea for you to pivot what you had already started or an idea that you've just been talking about. Like that's the power of being in like a room, like the masterminds that you create. And so for me, when I jumped in, I think you and I had a side conversation before I joined. And I'll tell you guys what I said to Chris. I said, you know, I'm making the numbers that you need. Cause at the time when the first entry was, you had to be making 50 grand in your online business for you guys to help us scale it. So Chris literally said one sentence in that, when he was talking about it online, that sold me. And that 
spoke directly to me. He called us accidental entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's me. I no. didn't go to beauty school with the idea to own my own business. I might have thought I'd like to own my own salon one day, but I never said the second sentence, and I'd like to be in full control of the business and have to deal with all that bullshit. So every like that resonated so hard with me that I I said to him, we private message beforehand, and I said, you know, I don't want to come into the room being the girl, you know, with the squeaky, like, oh hey, I need so much help. I don't even have an idea. And it's funny, I messaged both you and Lori the same kind of question. Mm-hmm. And you know, of course, Chris is trying to sell something. So I always appreciate that. Like, he was like, I can't tell you what to do. All I can tell you is get in the room and let these people help you bring up ideas, have stupid idea time. We weren't quite calling it that, but that's kind of what we did. Yep. In the past, I've gotten a lot of flack for, oh, you're all over the place. You try this, you try that, you're doing all these things. And I'm like, listen, I have to try things on to see if they're a good fit for me. I'm willing to fail multiple times in order to get that one hit where it's like, this feels good. This is right. And it's going to work. So the, the, the way that that all rolled out and like my, my scenario wasn't quite the same as people that were in that mastermind, like the, like the ROI that they got immediately. My ROI came in a much different form by being brought on by Lori and Lindsay Mm -hmm. to do that event that they did. You know, that was a $7,000 entry to be in that's part of that program. I got invited as a guest hairdresser and makeup artist to sit in the room and, and partially facilitate that. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing Lindsay's makeup, she said, we were talking about that. And she looked up at me and she said, you just made your money back today. Yeah. And I said, holy shit. You know what I mean? So I got asked that question a lot. Like, oh, did you make this? Did you make that? What was your return on investment? And I almost felt like a failure was I, I didn't have any, I didn't make that money. I didn't do that. But what I did do in the time from when I started with you to now is start that networking event and position myself as an expert in the industry, open my own beautiful salon in downtown San Diego, which that opportunity fell in my lap. Literally, I'd been looking for 10 plus years for the perfect space. I have it now. And it's allowed me to build a coaching program, a one-on-one mentorship program, an online course through someone else I've met in the mastermind. So, and now I have this brand that's being created called Beauty Inspires Beauty. And you know, in order, it's funny because I wanted to coach with Chris. I wanted to have a call with Chris and pick his brain about all these things business. Now he does these webinars, Mm -hmm. which he gives a ton of his time for free. And can you talk a little bit about why you give so much for free? Like you've said things to me, like give them everything you have. So they know once they purchase from you, they're going to get 10 times more value. And I thought to myself, do I have 10 times more value to give if I give it all? Like the way everybody does, everybody does. It's down in you. But the problem is people have a scarcity mindset. And this is not a judgment. It's an explanation. People have a scarcity mindset that, wait, this might be my best idea. What if there's not more? This might be my best lesson. What if there's not more where that came from? This might be my best product. What if I don't come up with something better? The problem is when I say you need to give away your best stuff for free because it's a lot like dating, meaning if you went on a date and you were like 70% present and you use 70% of your manners and you kind of gave 70% of an effort in how you dressed and stuff, you're probably not gonna get a second date. Well, people's marketing out there, that's what they're doing, unfortunately. They're holding back the good stuff. Um, you know, They're only releasing the old stuff or maybe a glimpse of something. The problem is it's too competitive of a world to market at 70%. You need to give your best stuff away for free because the human psyche is this. Wow, if that's the free stuff and that moved the needle for me, then holy shit, the stuff behind the rope must be extraordinary, 
right? So you're actually playing to the human psyche by giving a lot of your best stuff for free. Number two is this. Um, if you've been successful, if you know how to do something, then when you are willing to part with that and give that away, you know, right? Like stop thinking that your idea is original, your, your way is the only way. Like when you're willing to give that away and let other people use that, then collectively everything gets better. The economy gets better. Um, people's you know, moods and mindsets get better. People's lives get better. And when those things get better, guess what? A rising tide lifts all ships. So now before you know it, it comes all the way back around and they become your customers because you once helped them out and helped them create the money that now allows them to pay for your program. Right. Or now they become your customers because you were the one that was once there for them when they were down and out. And now they have a loyalty to you because you helped lift them up. So the idea of I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hold back or I'm not gonna give my best stuff for free, it's an old antiquated idea and it doesn't work in today's world anymore. You guys need to put lead with your absolute best foot or you're not gonna stand out amongst everybody else that's trying to market and attract customers with their scarcity mentality. Absolutely, and that's one of the things I see when I'm coaching some of these girls is the idea that everything's already been done. Nope. I can't start another video tutorial because X, Y, Z. I don't have the money to invest in getting a production company or doing all the things. And it's like, you don't need all of that. And yes, guess what? Everything's already been done. Mm -hmm. So put your own spin on it and who will attracted to you will be attracted to you. And that's, that's one of the things that that's fully given me permission because I'm not going to lie and say that I didn't feel the same way. My little ego was like, that's my idea. I can't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't tell anybody, no one's going to know you have it to offer for one. And for two, when you bring people along, you know, you said this. I have no problem writing a million dollar check when I'm bringing in 10 million a year. Like who wants to be on my team? Let's go. Yep. And that's huge. And I think you, you touched on, you know, Chris has a saying when good people make good money, they can do, do great, great things. things. Yep. And I love that because I actually wrote that in my book. Like I, I called it something slightly different. It was, I want to make fuck you money. Yep. And the fuck you money is so I can do great things and I can give back and I can, I can be part of the, the elite that, care enough to share what they've made to make an impact. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, my goal is to one day be invited on Chris's podcast, but the only way you get on that podcast is if you're in a position to do big things like that, you've already kind of had massive success in your business and you, you have some sort of strong give back component Great story of generosity to go along with it. Yep. Right. It's not just about, you know, getting by anymore. It's about like, what kind of impact can you lead with and what do you have to offer? And I think sometimes it's hard for us to see that internally what we have, but that's why when you get in rooms with other people who are kind of all feeling that same collective, it takes someone who's facilitating it like Chris to bring in other mentors and coaches, a lot of who you've already worked with personally, who have either helped you out or who you've helped them out. And I know sometimes it feels like we're all talking this, this language, this coaching language, this business. But it's true. It's not just about drinking the Kool-Aid. It's, it's something that works and you don't have to change it. It's not like, don't reinvent the wheel. These are the things that are working. Stay the course. And these is, this is the possibility that you have for your life. Um, so the amount of free training though, that you've given away over the last like five months, like has been quite insane. Like I know there was a lead up to, you're going to have the launch of your mastermind and all those good things, but the value that you give what kind of return do you see? I mean, the engagement you get, you must get from those has to be huge. Like, how do you? Yeah, there's always, let's just talk business right now, right? So we talked about the feel good stuff, make a, a you know, improve people's lives, give them a leg up, uh, contribution. That's, that's the feel good stuff. Now let's talk about the real nuts and bolts uh, that will come back to you. 
right? And let's be crystal clear, you don't do this so that it comes back to you, but the good news is the way the world freaking works is it will come back to you. So if I'm doing two or three Zooms a week for two hours each time of my time, and uh, you said you did that value exercise with all of your clients, my value exercise is $4,000 an hour. So I won't do anything personally unless it's for $4,000 an hour. So um, when I'm doing a webinar for two hours and answering your business questions and teaching you, that's an $8,000 donation of my time right there when I could be using that to actually go and get paid for coaching or something else. So what's the return on investment was your question. Well, number one, it, uh, it's social media like you can't buy elsewhere. When I'm doing that webinar and there's 150 people on there, then I have 100 plus mentions on Instagram where everybody screenshotted it, tagged me and said, oh my God, I learned this. Oh my God, grateful this guy. Oh my God, uh, was just on this awesome webinar. The return on investment is a ton of free exposure. You get 150 mentions. The average person has a couple thousand people watch their stories. You now just had you know tens of thousands of extra people discover you, come back and follow you on your Instagram. So that's one example of return on your investment. Another thing is I'm always adding value in exchange for your email or your text that you have to give me in order to get the link for this value. So I'm building two very important lists, my text list and my email list so that I can control what I'm going to continue to send these individuals who self-selected as interested in business. Think about that. Anyone that comes and signs up for a business training of yours when it's free, they're self-selecting saying, I am interested in growing my business and what do my products happen to do? They happen to help you grow your business. So we're growing a list and guys, if you're not growing your list, I don't care what business you're in. If you're not growing a text list and an email list, then you're gonna fall behind because there's, there's lists that you own and there's lists that you rent. This is very important. And both, are impo both lists, by the way, you need them, but one's more important than the other. Lists that you own are lists that you control. An email list, you control that, what you send out to it, what gets seen. A text message list, you control that, what gets sent out to it, what gets seen. A podcast is a form of a list that you control because when people subscribe and when they listen to you on a regular basis, you're controlling what goes out, what gets seen. Those are lists that you own. And that's an asset that once you build it, you can leverage forever. Lists that you rent are this, um, your Instagram following, your TikTok, your Facebook, any of those things that are equally important because there's a lot of customers in there, but at any given time, they can go away. What are we hearing? All this talk about TikTok may be going away. Imagine if you, the only list you built was a great TikTok audience and all of a sudden it's gone like that in it, for an unforeseen reason. Now, what are you going to do? That's why you need, this is how I, I connected to you, ready? That's why you need to always grow the lists that you rent because they're the easiest ones to grow, but then move them over to the lists that you own. That's the key. And when I do free webinars, that's what I'm doing. I'm moving everybody from social media over to the lists that I own so that I can have that asset forever. And then guess what? It's full circle. When the people show up from the list that I own onto the webinar and then they do the, the 10,000 shout outs, now I've got brand new people on my list that I rent and I move them over to the list I own. No matter what your business is, that's the circle that you constantly need to be working on. Wow. Well, you can just send the bill over here because everyone can put it. <laughs> we'll have, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, so for $4,000, this is what I would have paid for to have this conversation with Chris today. That's what this would have cost me to have an hour worth of his time. I'm sharing it with you guys. I hope that's okay with Chris. I'm sure it is. And um, 
I know personally that by me putting my money where my mouth is with the mastermind, always supporting you guys and doing what I do, and then also showing you that I mean business by putting money into this podcast, you now have said yes to being a guest and sharing your time for free, talking to me about all things business. So this is also how you full circle work it. So I wouldn't have had the nerve to ask other, unless I was ready to pay for it, for a coaching call with Chris. You know, I have a lot of business things going on and I could pick his brain for an hour on the side, which I'll touch a few things here as far as like being a salon owner and a hairstylist right now and his perspective on that. But this is what it looks like when you invest in yourself. People take you more seriously. Chris is giving me his time graciously, which I'm then giving to you guys. So like the full circle goes all the way around. Yep. You have to be willing to put some skin in the game in order for people to take you seriously. So um, I want to go back a little bit because we talked about all the good things. We see all your success. Explain to me what life was like before you found yourself like a solid mentor or once you joined a mastermind or what was that pivotal time before when you were a a entrepreneur, Chris, you were a very successful entrepreneur. He did not need to start doing any of this. He could have lived off of his wife and him are multimillionaires from a network marketing company that um, they could have retired on. They still could retire on just that money. This is a great question. So I want to go actually back almost 11 years ago. Um, we're facing a crazy ass economy right now, right? Like people are getting crushed out there. Well, we had an economy like this not too long ago, 10, 11 years ago in 2009. And uh, for those of you that were around for that, you know just how rough that was, the Great Recession. Well, this time when Lori and I are facing this tough economy, we're in a great position and it feels good to be able to help other people out. The last time though, that we were facing a tough economy similar to this one, we were on the other end of the spectrum. And I was in banking and it was a banking recession and I was the only breadwinner and we were living way beyond our means. And when the music stopped, I was left holding a bag of absolute shit. So I had to come home and, and tell Lori, hey babe, gotta sell the house that we just got done building. Uh, gotta get rid of the cars that you know we shouldn't have had anyways. Gotta get rid of this, get rid of that. To the extent, and I hope people really hear this, to the extent where we had to put all of the new furniture, paintings, TVs, everything from that new home that we built on Craigslist and watch as car after car pulled up in front of the house, person after person walked through the front door and bargained for the couch and bargained for the grill and bargained for the TVs and bargained for the table, whatever they wanted and marched out with our stuff, marched out with our, without, with our stuff. But that humiliating low point gave us something. It gave us enough cash in hand to be able to then walk away from that previous life, go rent a tiny little about 900 square foot apartment in Minneapolis and choose to reinvent ourselves. And it gave us the runway. We had just enough cash from selling everything to prepay 12 months rent in that little apartment. And that gave us the runway, that 12 months to totally reinvent ourselves in the way that we wanted to show up for real this time. And so, it, by the way, if you're in a tough spot right now, don't worry. It's going to be a gift. It'll feel like shit. I'm not going to convince you it's going to feel good, but it will. It, um, it, uh, what was it? it? It'll it'll end up being a gift. I can promise you that. I see it every single time now. So our gift was the chance to choose again. Our gift was to choose how we want to show up. Our gift was to choose how we wanted to contribute to the world this time. Our gift was to choose how we wanted to monetize ourselves or our talents because we were so caught up in doing what we could do, not in what we wanted to do. You know, you just get caught up in that and it's too hard to get out that we were given that fresh start. 
So um, I forgot how we even got onto this tangent, but- I wanted to know if you had had a mentor or a- I guess this is where it came from. Okay, so at this point, when we lost everything, uh, we had done zero self-development, none. Zero, zip, zilch. Neither of you. And was that? Neither of you really? No, no, okay. none. And there was this thing called Landmark Forum that um, somebody had had convinced us to go to. And so, and at the time, it was a lot of money for us. Remember, we we're starting over financially. I think it was something like, I don't know, 600, 700 bucks each for the weekend. So, you know, maybe 1500 bucks. I could be wrong on that. And um, so we go to this thing. And when I walked in, you know, in the beginning, everyone's talking about the problems and all this stuff. I was the most judgmental person on the planet. I was like, oh, I'm glad I don't have your life. Oh, that must suck. Oh, you sound like you're crazy. Oh, that is super effed up. And by the time that we left, I was a radically different person. And that became our first taste of self-development. And so we went from there into all the things, right? Like Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield. And like, we went to all the things and event by event, mentor after mentor, experience after experience, quickly added up into rebuilding kind of the DNA of how we thought, how we showed up, how we operated. And it was that base in which we were able to rebuild ourselves and create the life that people know us for now, but didn't get to know us for prior to that. That's amazing. What a journey. And, and I, I feel like I knew some of that, but I wasn't quite sure like the transition from each space, but we have a landmark Mark fan here too. Kelly Marie said she take, did landmark. And I've heard a lot of things about that. I think what's amazing is anybody who's come to me with something like landmark or even the one that, um, ALA yeah. or MIT, they're all good ones. They're all really good ones, but what's, I'm not going to lie. What's better and what was better for me was getting in a room with you guys. I didn't need to be fully broken down in order to feel supported. I was able to break myself down. <laughs> I was hard enough on myself over the years that it kept me stuck and it kept me from taking any action. I needed the belief poured back into me. I needed the hope and the ideas and the, I got you and it's okay if you fail, like just fail quickly and let's keep it moving. And that's like the support that you guys were able to give. So it's so cool to know that you took a collective of everything you learned and put it into your own package. And that's what you were able to deliver. I don't even know if you realize that's what you kind of did for people, but I'm sure you're seeing it as the, as the sessions come and go, but that's. Yeah, it's, it's, I've got a friend um, who once used the term collect people. And at first you hear that and it might trigger you like, what do you mean collect people? Like, like they're just things to be collected. But what she meant by it was this, collect the best from each person, the best that they have to offer Find out how it applies in your life and let that become a part of your new DNA, your new building blocks as you're growing, because you're always growing as a person. And when she explained it, from that moment on, I realized that's what we were doing, to your point, Jess, is we were collecting moments, we were collecting experiences, we were collecting the best of each person that we came across and deciding what do we want to do with that piece of data? Where does that fit within our lives? And how do we want to reproduce that for other people to to then experience and collect something from us. And that's really the, the best way you can live life is too often we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, that e I heard this one bad thing about that event. I'm not going, oh, I, I heard this bad thing about that person. I'm not going to be friends with them. Oh, I heard this, this rumor about this situation. I'm not going to be a part of it. And you end up not being a part of anything, mm -hmm. right? Because you're so damn busy judging and expecting perfection from an event, perfection from a course, perfection from a person. 
And so now you're sitting there with nothing. But when you have the perspective of collect people, right? And that also means collect pieces of events, of courses, of lessons, of experiences. Now you don't hold somebody or an event or a course to perfection. Now you say, I know there's something good for me in there. I'm going to go mine out what that is. And I'm going to use it in some way to make myself better. And then in turn, people who interact with me, they will leave the situation of interacting with me better as well. And that is the perspective that you have to have when it comes to self-development, courses, mentors, coaches, friends, significant others, everything. All of it. Yep. And that doesn't explain to you guys how Beauty Inspires Beauty was born. I don't know what will. Because when the mastermind, we had our first in-person, we had a couple calls like this when we started the program. And our first in-person, he had us all get up one by one, get in front of you know the group. I think one of the first things that we had to, we had to first say was one of the biggest things you struggled with. And I think 99.9 of us, it was asking for help. Yet here we are, we, we felt valued, like we could ask for help now that we paid for it. So that's why that interaction sometimes has to happen. You can't just go pick free advice because you're not going to take it for face value. It's like when your mom talks, it's like, want, 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 right? Someone tells you something you're like, but another thing that I had to get up and say was, what did I want to create or what was my business? And I literally, that was the first time I'd said it. I looked at that room and that space. And I said, I want to create this for my industry. I want to bring this feeling, this type of a vibe back to my people. So to your point of extracting all the things from all the courses and all, all the other things that I've gone to with you guys and everybody that you've known, um, I've put together the six figure stylist program. And that's, that's a baby born out of all of my favorites of things that you've taught, things that Lori shared through her Bliss Project, um, things that Lindsay Schwartz, Kayla, everybody. And thanks to you, I now know all those people because he has a lot of those people come on and speak and teach their expertise or their zone of genius in the mastermind. And no, this is not a plug for Chris's mastermind, but it's just to show value of when you pay, I hate this, you pay attention. Like it's one of those, I was there literally like a student and I vowed ever since I joined to always stay the student and always be willing to learn and never think I know everything. Um, and it's helped me immensely in this five months that we've been closed because this has fucked people up. Mm -hmm. Like we're in California, both of us. And in San Diego, like salons have been open for a total of five, six weeks out of the five and a half months period. We wow. have rents to pay. We have rents that aren't being paid. If you have, I own a salon with booth renters in it. Retail's not being sold. Like sh the world has stopped. And I also have an eight-year-old at home that I now have to start third grade on Monday at home. Like it has taken everybody for a ride. And I've seen two things happen. People either take action, they figure things out, or they are drowning. They are drowning. And I'm seeing people step away from the industry. I've seen salons that have been open for 20, 30 years close because they just can't cover the overhead. It's not a lucrative business anyways to be in. And I know you have a little background with our industry. I know you, you guys big on personal care. And um, you and I have shared that. Will you just speak on like, I know you can't speak for the whole industry, and but you're really good at kind of predicting the way things might be shifting and going. And can you give us some insight to like what you would think? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's interesting. Um, it's quite ironic. So I know your industry probably better than, than most people for being someone who's not a part of the industry. And we had somebody who's a real figurehead in your industry over for dinner last night, Allie Webb and, you know, dry bar. And so her and, and Adrian, her significant other, they're over for dinner last night. We're talking about like, what has dry bar faced and what has the, 
the struggle been and what does the new normal look like right now? And they are rethinking everything. So you got to think of things in stages, right? So stage one was accepting what's going on. Stage two was let's open up the best way we can right now just to stop the bleeding. So for example, a dry bar, they've spaced people out almost every other chair now. Uh, the check-in process is they have to wait out in the car, um, right down to like, can you give champagne or does it have to be an individual ready to drink serving of champagne? All these things were stage two. Let's just get open. It's less business than we're used to, but it stops the bleeding. Then you got to think stage three. Stage three is we need to plan as though this is never going back to normal and figure out how are we going to thrive, not survive. How are we going to thrive if this is the best it gets? Now, here's, here's the good news, guys. It's probably going to get better than it is today. I can't promise you it is, but it's probably going to. But my mom taught me a long time ago, plan for the worst and hope for the best. And that's how you always guarantee that you're going to win. Plan for the worst, hope for the best. So in your industry, what does that look like? You need to assume that people are never going to be able to crowd into your salon again. They may be able to, but you need to plan for the worst, hope for the best. You need to assume that um, if you offered drinks or champagne or water, that now they need to be RTDs. You need to assume that people's psychology has changed and they're not going to feel comfortable for the next couple of years coming into your salon, your dry bar, anything that you have. So what does that mean? Can you dispatch people to them? Can you create a beautiful tented experience outside so they feel more comfortable? What kind of overhead can you cut that was just a nice to have in the past, but was not necessarily a necessity for you to execute on your business? Um, and when you start thinking about, okay, how can I reinvent this business, assuming this is the best it gets today, then you can guarantee yourself that one, you'll get the answers because when you ask a better question, you get better answers. Uh, and two, you're going to be prepared for this or something better because that's really the way we need to operate is being prepared for this or something better. And you need to build a plan for you to thrive in the this and then just hope that the something better comes around. And when you plan with that type of mentality, when you start asking yourself different questions, you start getting different answers. So questions that you guys can ask yourselves are, okay, um, what overhead did I have in the past that was not a necessity, it was just a nice to have that I could cut? Uh, and not just right now, I mean going forward. Um, in what ways did I scale my business in the past that I could use a cue from that to scale my business in the future? In what ways was I charging in the past that I could change the way I charge in the future? I want you guys to think supply and demand on this one, by the way, too. Your industry has a rash of people afraid to charge for their worth. And because of their good hearts, they've got this bleeding heart syndrome where they're like, during a tough time, I could never up my prices. People are struggling. The problem is the market is set by supply and demand. So if there are less chairs available, if there are less services available, and the demand is still there, right? There's the same number of humans that need this then supply has gone down, demand has gone up, and that determines your prices. So you need to raise your damn prices to survive because pretty soon, even though you don't wanna raise your prices, pretty soon, it's gonna be this. Be priced appropriately to be profitable, 
or be out of business and not be able to help anyone. That's going to be your two choices. You just don't feel it yet. You don't realize it yet. Be priced to be profitable, even though you've got a bleeding heart or go out of business and you can't help a single damn person, including yourself. And what happens when you go out of business, you'll get depressed. You can't take care of your family. You can't take care of your loved ones. And that is a bad spiral to go down. So do it for yourself. Do it for your clients. Don't be afraid to change your prices. It's just supply and demand. That's the way the market works. And if you don't do it, the salon next to you is going to. And that is the truth. And it's it's crazy because Monday we had a protest, a peaceful protest put on by my um, old boss. And she has a chair. She has this 32 stations in her salon. So a massive space. And I think her overhead, just rent alone is close to 20 grand a month. And she hasn't been able to open. And when she did open for those, that small window, I think it was staggered stations and it was like every other station. And I think she was not even able to charge the full rent that she was getting before. And there was champagne and drinks and all the things. There was a full front desk. And like you said, it's, it's not going to go back to the way it was anytime soon. And you know, it's people like her that I really want to ask you the questions for, because I'm a smaller space. I have, I knew better because I went through your program. I knew to open a business that could operate at least with the overhead with only me. So a super lean startup. And I had other visions and goals of growing this brand and business. I just wasn't clear on what it was yet. So everybody could walk out of my salon and I could still operate and make money at this point. So that's not where everyone's at right now. And for some of my other girls who are thinking about coaching and mentoring with me, you know, that's where they're at right now. They're salon owners. This is their lifelong dream. They poured all this money into it along with the new PP that was asked of them. OSHA gave us this like list that was insane. And so thousands of dollars put in and they, they're feeling stuck and they're not knowing what to do. And that it's just the ability to have a comeback from that is insane. So I love your ideas on creating different experiences sending people out to their homes, possibly, even though we don't want to work outside, what could you do? Do you have a parking lot that you could turn into an amazing patio? Like we're watching all the restaurants do it. Yep. I it mean, looks like Europe. We're up and down Montana Avenue here now. It looks like Europe. All these are super cute, <laughs> built out into the street, awesome little areas. Why can't your salon do the same thing? It's actually cheaper than your physical building overhead. And I understand some people live in areas with winter. You and I have a different situation with it always being great weather here, right. but it's not an excuse. It just means you need to think differently. What's a different shared space? What's a different indoor outdoor space? What's a, there's always a way when you ask a better question, you're going to get a better, better answer. And I feel like if anyone's listening, who is a salon owner, who's feeling stuck, who's feeling like, because this was, this podcast is for beauty professionals. And that's why I tend to want to talk to and bring in people to give insight that aren't just blinded by what's going on. That's why Chris is here to give us a fresh, different perspective of someone looking in on something rather than the, the fly in the window that can't get out. Like, I think it's okay for people to embrace the idea of downsizing or to thinking that like this big, huge salon was like the end all be all. And if I don't make this work by any means necessary, I'm a failure. I don't have anything to show for it. I think like a bad relationship, like you stay for so long. I've been in for 15 years. I've put all this time in, I put all this money in. I can't walk away from it. I feel like a lot of these people are, I can, they're not saying quite that, but when I, I when I say, what's the plan? They don't have a plan. And I'm like, their ego is saying that. And I want to interrupt you, but this is really important. We get so caught up in having the bigger salon, the more chairs, the sexier vibe, the better location. And in a healthy economy, great. If that's your rat race, awesome. Your ego is saying, I want to have the biggest best. And I don't judge it. That's awesome. There's there's many areas of my life that I that I'm that way too. 
But in a time like this, your ego is your greatest overhead. And you need that to again. your ego is your greatest overhead. And you need to stop managing to your old expectations of I was going to have this or I was going to have that or it was going to look this way or it was going to look that way. And just go back to what's profitable. Because most of you, if you're being honest, what you've created right before this happened was not more profit. You created more top line revenue. You created more sex appeal. You created more, um, you know, like uh, street cred, but you did not create more profit. Your overhead and your expenses went up with your revenue going up and you're working harder to take home the same amount of money as when you just had two chairs or you're doing it yourself. So this is the time that you focus on what's profitable, not what is going to feed your ego. That's huge. And so I just got a question. If you're just tuning in, this is Chris Harder. He is a business mentor of mine. You can find him at Chris W. Harder on Instagram. Um, so we got about 15 minutes. So I want to respect your time. I'm sure you're giving me an hour today. I appreciate your time. This is going to get personal because I'm in a situation now where that's happening. Mm-hmm. So we're in a, a, there's a couple of losses. You can see behind me, they're consecutive losses. I have one on the other side and I came in at a super amazing price point. Like I said, lean, I have about four stations in there that can bring in revenue. And while I have the mindset to grow the business, whether it's the online shop with the beauty inspires beauty, the online coaching and the mentorship, all the things, uh, my lease that I have with them subleasing, it, it comes up in October and everyone, this is a marketing company behind me, 50 and 50. And they, they haven't been here since March. So he's just been keeping this space. And when I first walked into the space, Maybe it was a little of the ego. Maybe it was the opportunity. I walked in and I said, I want this whole space eventually. Yeah. This whole space is under nine grand. And that's okay, by the way. Yeah. Right, exactly. I thought of having an academy. I thought of having all the things in here. But again, times have changed. I need to think about what's going on right now and how things will be, right? Plan for the worst, hope for the best. So he came to me the other day and offered me the second space that's attached to mine to take on, would you like, would you like this space? It's available now. So for an additional revenue or additional overhead, I could possibly put in five more stations and create this much more revenue. But with that comes more work for me in this business, or I have to hire somebody out to manage this for me so I can continue doing this kind of stuff, which is now my new love and what I want to grow the other business. All these other things that I have going on don't need a house. I can do them from home. I can do them from anywhere. This is the only thing that is a constant overhead that I have to keep going, whether I'm having income coming from the chairs or not. So I'm going to ask in your, where we're at right now, this is my viewpoint. Many salons are closing. There's going to be hairdressers who need a place to work. Do I create that? Do I take advantage of a situation that's coming to be and have the thriving little salon that could be, or do I sit back and realize if I add this, this will become more work for me take more time away from things that are bringing me joy. They're not bringing me a ton of income yet, but there's potential. The wheels are in motion. We're going, we're there. I've invested already. So it's like, I have these two opportunities or I have a a new distraction that's been dangled in front of me. I'll tell you your answer. Right now is the time to be lean. Right now is the time to be lean. And and for a little while, it's going to be that way because what people think they've seen as the shoe dropping is nothing compared to what they are going to see. And so the space that you think this guy will give you at X number of dollars is going to be half the price when the bottom falls out of commercial real estate. He's going to be begging you to just take the extra space for what you're already paying right now just to stay a a, a tenant. That's where things are going. That's where they're going to get. If you 
let your old hopes and dreams pre-COVID determine your decision with the space right now. Yes, I'll, I'll find a way, I'll take the space, I'll pay the extra. It's gonna burn you or make life really stressful. But if you've got the patience to wait until we get near a bottom, you're gonna be able to call your shots on any space you want at any price you want, and then go ahead and grab that space and be the savior for the other people that need a space to work, a fair and, and well-priced space to work. I love that. I love it. And that's what my gut was telling me. Um, I think just because the lease is coming to be up, it's like, I almost have to make a decision. And, um, you know, when you get pushed against the wall and it's like this or that pick one, it's sometimes it's hard to like see outside of your own, you know, but when I put it down on paper, it's like, even though there will be additional revenue coming in, it's like my overhead and what you all, everything that you just said. So um, you guarantee the extra revenue coming in, in a rocky economy, right? I mean, there's no stylist beating the door down yet. No one knows what's going on. So no one's willing to take a leap yet. If I had seven to 10 people who were already here, signed contracts, ready to go, maybe I would build it. It's like how you say, sell the course before you've actually made it. It's like one of those situations. I don't have that going on. Yes. If you, if I could quantify, if you were going to spend an extra 10 hours a week and an extra 100% of stress and effort in feeling that physical space, or you could reinvest that same extra 10 hours a week and 100, 100% physical stress and effort into building online, growing your mentoring that you do, your coaching that you do, the brunches that you do. I would tell you to grow online. And this goes for everybody. And this is what's tough for your industry. You're used to working with your hands on something that's tangible. But the world is changing quickly. Like, look at, look at this nasty, not cut hair. I don't know how to cut my own hair. I haven't gotten a cut in forever, right? And um, if somebody could do a tutorial on how to do texturing, and then on that tutorial, they were selling a texturing set of shears, I would buy that set of shears from them and they would get the profitability from it. You see, like the world's changing and people like me, they're not gonna come in necessarily. They're going to figure out how to do it themselves. So now you need to sell the information and the tools, not the service. And the good news is this, the information and the tools is scalable. Your service is not. You run out of time and energy to monetize. And that's the thing. And that's a lot of the, the what I was hearing from the girls I was working with was, you know, once they got the green light to go, all the things we had worked on in the course, the taking care of themselves, the working the only hours that we set, it was like, sorry, yeah, your course was great, but like, I got to get to work. And, and they all within two, three weeks were like so burnt out, came back to me once the second shut up, shutdown happened. And we're like, no, I can't operate like that. I need to raise, you're right. I'll raise my prices. I can only put in six hours, eight hours a day. And it, it was really made apparent that they had to create some other source of revenue. If this was to ever happen again, and your livelihood was taken away. There's a bakery in San Francisco that I want you guys to use as inspiration, okay? When I say rethink things and, and how could you perform your service, you know, give or take uh, online. There's a bakery in San Francisco that was going to close down when COVID hit. People couldn't come to the bakery anymore. Um, they had all the flour, all the tools, all the employees, all the equipment. And he thought he was going to lose his business. Then he said, well, I already have all this flour. I already have all this equipment. What am I going to do with it? I know. I'll package it up. And I'll just send it to people that want to make their own stuff. Okay. I've already got it sitting here. Why not? Well, it turned out that there was this big baking boom that happened, this home, you know, bake at home boom that happened during COVID. Yeah, that's where and the double chin came from. Tutorials. What's that? That's where the double chin came from. I participated yeah, yeah, in that. Yeah, right. So um, 
So you'd start doing tutorials. Here's how you bake this. Here's how you bake that. By the way, you can get the done for you kits. We'll ship them out to you. This guy is now making three times the revenue that he was making when he was an in-person bakery and just uses the space now as a shipping center and a filming center. So listen, that is a great metaphor to get all of you to rethink. How can you bring a version of your service online and monetize a physical product to go along with it, not just performing a service in person? I love that. I love that. I, I know we could talk for hours and we could go on and on, but how can people find you? Can you tell us like a little bit about like everything you have to offer right now? I know there's a few different levels, but um, yeah, give us, give us what you got. For sure. So um, find me on at Chris W. Harder on Instagram. It's really the only platform I'm hanging out on these days. Uh, I always promise to answer any of your business questions if you DM me. Uh, also, I've got a podcast for the love of money and it talks all about money mindset and uh, business in the common thread of generosity in both. And uh, boy, I don't know just when you're going to actually release the podcast of this, but as of right now, we've got about 8% of our fast foundations, early and mid-stage mastermind spots available. So if by some miracle hear it right now, you can find that at fastfoundations.com. Perfect. But if you are listening to this podcast after this is said and done, just know that this does run and there will be another opportunity for you. But that's why I wanted to bring it live on Instagram. There are only, how many did you say, eight spots left? Uh, there's about, uh, I'd have to check the team less than 10%. So, so what's left to get into a life-changing mastermind. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, you can, I put Chris's information there. He is always open to having uh, 15 minute connection calls with you. If you are at all interested, um, I can't say enough good things about it. Clearly I would not be where I am if it had not been for his mentorship and him pushing and just pouring all that belief in there. So Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate you guys. Give bananas a squeeze for me. Yes, yes. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much.